Section two of the coming race. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mary Rohde. The Coming Race by Edward George Bulwer Lytton. Chapter three. Slowly and cautiously I went my solitary way down the lamplit road and towards the large building I have described. The road itself seemed like a great alpine pass, skirting rocky mountains of which the one through whose chasm I had descended formed a link. Deep below to the left lay a vast valley which presented to my astonished eye the unmistakable evidences of art and culture. There were fields covered with a strange vegetation, similar to none I have seen above the earth the color of it not green, but rather of a dull and leaden hue, or of a golden red. There were lakes and rivulets which seemed to have been curved into artificial banks, some of pure water, others that shone like pools of naphtha. At my right hand, ravines and defiles opened amidst the rocks, with passes between, evidently constructed by art, and bordered by trees, resembling for the most part gigantic ferns with exquisite varieties of feathery foliage and stems like those of the palm-tree others were more like the cane plant but taller bearing large clusters of flowers others again had the form of enormous fungi with short thick stems supporting a wide dome-like roof from which either rose or drooped long slender branches. The whole scene, behind, before, and beside me, far as the eye could reach, was brilliant with innumerable lamps. The world without a sun was bright and warm as an Italian landscape at noon, but the air less oppressive, the heat softer nor was the scene before me void of signs of habitation. I could distinguish at a distance, whether on the banks of the lake or rivulet, or halfway upon eminences, embedded amidst the vegetation, buildings that must surely be the homes of men. I could even discover, though far off, forms that appeared to me human moving amidst the landscape. As I paused to gaze, I saw to the right, gliding quickly through the air, what appeared a small boat, impelled by sails shaped like wings. It soon passed out of sight, descending amidst the shades of a forest. Right above me there was no sky, but only a cavernous roof. This roof grew higher and higher at the distance of the landscapes beyond, till it became imperceptible as an atmosphere of haze formed itself beneath. Continuing my walk, I started from a bush that resembled a great tangle of seaweeds, interspersed with fern-like shrubs and plants of large leafage, shaped like that of the aloe or prickly pear, a curious animal about the size and shape of a deer, but as, after bounding away a few paces, it turned round and gazed at me inquisitively, I perceived that it was not like any species of deer now extant above the earth, but it brought instantly to my recollection 
a plaster cast i had seen in some museum of a variety of the elk stag said to have existed before the deluge the creature seemed tame enough and after inspecting me a moment or two began to graze on the singular herbage around undismayed and careless chapter four i now came in full sight of the building yes it had been made by hands and hollowed partly out of a great rock i should have supposed it at the first glance to have been of the earliest form of egyptian architecture it was fronted by huge columns tapering upward from massive plinths and with capitals that as i came nearer i perceived to be more ornamental and more fantastically graceful than egyptian architecture allows as the corinthian capital mimics the leaf of the acanthus so the capitals of these columns imitated the foliage of the vegetation neighboring them some aloe-like some fern-like and now there came out of this building a form human was it human it stood on the broad way and looked around beheld me and approached it came within a few yards of me and at the sight and presence of it an indescribable awe and tremor seized me rooting my feet to the ground it reminded me of symbolical images of genius or demon that are seen on etruscan vases or limbed on the walls of eastern sepulchres images that borrow the outlines of man and are yet of another race it was tall not gigantic but tall as the tallest man below the height of giants its chief covering seemed to me to be composed of large wings folded over its breast and reaching to its knees the rest of its attire was composed of an under-tunic and leggings of some thin fibrous material. It wore on its head a kind of tiara that shone with jewels, and carried in its right hand a slender staff of bright metal like polished steel. But the face! It was that which inspired my awe and my terror. It was the face of man but yet of a type of man distinct from our known extant races the nearest approach to it in outline and expression is the face of the sculptured sphinx so regular in its calm intellectual mysterious beauty its color was peculiar more like that of the red man than any other variety of our species and yet different from it a richer and a softer hue with large black eyes deep and brilliant and brows arched as a semicircle the face was beardless but a nameless something in the aspect tranquil though the expression and beauteous though the features roused that instinct of danger which the sight of a tiger or serpent arouses I felt that this manlike image was endowed with the force inimical to man. As it drew near, a cold shudder came over me. I fell on my knees and covered my face with my hands. End of chapter 4